Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Marvel Cinematic University, show where we talk about everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and lots of other universes because there are 52 <laughs> weeks in a year. And even though Marvel puts out a lot of content, they don't put out that much. And as we've been doing for as long as I can remember, covering everything in the DC Universe. And even as the DC Universe hits a hard reset, we still got to cover everything in it. Uh, even if that thing is something that three people are going to see, unfortunately. But before we get to that, um, AC is not here because he was unable to see this movie uh, this weekend. And I thought, well, who's someone who's been reliable for us of late, who's coming <laughs> with great takes, and who tweeted about this movie so I know for a fact they saw it? <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Rod Morrow, the Black Eye Tips. Rod, how are you? Hey, Jake, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me back. And uh, listen, I'm, I would love to talk about this movie. It seems like there's not a lot of people out here to talk about this movie with. I agree. And the movie we're talking about, as you can tell by the title, I never know why podcasts are coy about that. <laughs> it's in the title of the episode. Um, we're talking about Blue Beetle, the new DC movie, which is in both the DCEU, but also possibly part of the new DCU, which I think is so much of the confusion about the movie. Um, but it is the new film, uh, that kind of was just dumped. Um, it's during the strike, so there's not a lot of promotion. And I think that because they're rebooting everything, it's really in a tough spot. But I want to talk about it for a while without getting into any of that. Getting in, right. I don't want to really get into the universe stuff or why it didn't do well. Because I think a lot, there's a lot of discussion about that, particularly among people who haven't seen it. Ron, just talking about what you were expecting going into the movie and how you felt coming out of it. Well, going into the movie, I was, <clears throat> okay, let's start with this. When they announced the movie, I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, even though I love, um, I love the show young justice and the blue beetle storyline story arc in there was so good. I just was like very down on DC projects because the last few before that, hadn't really been good to me and the ones that I thought would be good, they weren't good even. So, uh, or they were underwhelming. I shouldn't say not good, but at any rate, wasn't that excited. Then I saw the trailer for it and the trailer was so good. I was like, Oh man, maybe, huh? Maybe it'll be good. I don't know. But I, but now I do want to go see it. So I went in to see it and um, I had, you know, just kind of, middling expectations like I wasn't thinking it was gonna like knock my socks off but I also wasn't thinking you know I was hopeful that it wouldn't be trash um and so um after seeing it honestly I was very impressed I, I it did surprise me it was much better than I thought it would be um it is you know I say this all the time but it's not judging it on like that Marvel scale because I understand that like you know, a Marvel's a Marvel six is like some other companies eight or at this point or whatever. Like, um, but I felt like this as a even as a DC film, comic book film, whatever, it really acquitted itself. It, it, it's a good film. Um, no film is perfect. I know all that, but it's a good film that I think the the main things that people that would really hinder it are going to be things that don't have anything to do with this film, like. And, and that's not his fault. So I, I enjoyed it thoroughly and I, I look forward to, you know, buying it on streaming or whatever. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I had really low expectations for it, mostly because like, and I, I think 
I, I, I try to I tell people in my life who are not as into movies, like, when you can tell a movie is not going to be good. For example, like, with a couple exceptions, if a movie comes out in one of the first two weeks of January, anyone who has anything about movies will tell you it's a bad movie because they do that because they want to pretend that that's why it's not making money. Mm-hmm. Or if they do, if critic ratings don't go up on the internet until like three days before the movie comes out, mm-hmm. they think it's a bad movie. I think that there are little si- there are signs you can tell a studio thinks a movie is bad. Mm-hmm. And frankly, they were doing a lot of those with this movie. Like, mm-hmm. And so I was expecting it to be bad because I'm like, well... Warner Brothers seems to think it's bad, and if they thought The Flash deserved to be treated like the greatest movie of all time, then why would I? <laughs> right. And and then as the reviews started to come out, they're like, oh, it's actually pretty good, especially for a DC movie, because like I think that you know people really have low expect uh, like low in a low opinion of DC. Mm-hmm. And so I walked, I went in being like, you know what, I expect this to be you know a solid whatever, like a good time at the movies. I have Regal Unlimited, as I always talk about, so worst thing that happens, I spend 50 cents. Um, And I really enjoyed it, and I think that it is a movie that um, doesn't... It's a classic case of a movie not reinventing the wheel in any way, but it has enough interesting ideas about how it's going to make the wheel its own Mm -hmm. that it makes up for a lot because like, and obviously i think that there's some slow bits in the first 20 25 minutes that mm-hmm. are just like the rudimentary superhero stuff but the personal touches of it feel so personal and feel like something that's been missing from both marvel and dc where mm-hmm. none of the characters i mean with the exception of some of the stuff on tv but like it was right. reminiscent of what miss marvel had with its family structure whereas a family we don't normally see and I feel like all of that stuff, and because it was so much about that, that wasn't just like window dressing. Right. That is what turned it from being just like a so, like an uh, solid base hit to like a, a a solid double, a stand up double for me. Right. Yeah, I think um, it has a lot of heart, and um, you can just tell art that is made from people of the culture that is on the screen, you know? Sometimes you can feel like an incongruence where you're like, oh, this person's trying to make a story about such and such, but they're not, like, they don't have any real experience. So, you know, there's little touches that they're going to miss or things. And uh, I thought, I just thought that this film had that all over the place where it's just little cultural references and um, jokes and... uh, the interactions between the characters and the conversations they had. Another thing I liked about it too, is that DC to me uh, typically avoids cultural issues even more than Marvel. Like Marvel will put out like a black Panther or something. And you're like, that's all this film is about is a very, very strong inner monologue, like discussion in an interracial conflict. Um, DC is more like guys, we're not really worried about that. We're worried about, you know, aliens fighting in grace we have to sell this overseas and exactly. people overseas don't like people of different races right exactly and this is the f- a film that fully dives into the the other way on that and i think uh i applaud them for that but also they got it right and did a good job with it so i think that's another reason that it, it really blew me away uh in, in yeah and I, I think yeah and i think that it's not just that like it's important that they do that although right. it is but I think that it is the instructive thing about it to me, which is kind of obvious anytime you see it, is that even if it wasn't important and the right thing to do, it also just makes a movie more interesting. Like when you see a culture that's not normally portrayed and it's portrayed with truth and it's entertaining, that is just 
going to be like 25% more interesting to watch at least than the same family we've seen over and over again. You know, like, and I think that was really beautiful to me was I saw it in a, you know, being in New York City, most movie shootings I go to are going to be more crowded than the average one. Like, right. so it, I, I saw it on Friday afternoon uh, at like four o'clock and it was probably like a half full screening, which I think was probably the most any screening got in anywhere. But there was clearly multiple families of, um, I don't know if they were specifically Mexican, but Latin American families. Mm -hmm. And there was like seven or eight times in the movie where they hysterically laughed at something that I didn't get. Yeah. And that to me is like, that's the mark of a movie that is made by someone who's part of a culture and is for that culture. Right. And it's, I didn't, you know, and obviously there'd be, there's some people on the shows on the internet who would be alienated by that sort of thing, but they can go fuck themselves. Right. Um, that it, that, that like, that's how I knew it was like, Obviously, you know, if someone wants to quibble with something not being authentic and I can't say anything, yeah. but it felt authentic given that, like, clearly there's shit that's not for me. You know, yeah. I am, I, I, as a white guy in his 20s, I am constantly catered to in this right. space. It's, <laughs> right. it's nice not to be catered to. And even um, as, like, a black person with our own intracultural references and, you know, starting to see a lot of that in movies, it felt good to not know. Like, I, because cause to mm. me, I went, okay, so that, is something just for the people that made the film and the kind of people yeah. that are represented in the film. And I'm cool with that. Like someone will do an mm -hmm. Easter egg, something, someone will write a review or something. It's, you know, it's another reason it's important to have like mm -hmm. people of different uh, marginalizations uh, across the spectrum, see movies and stuff. So that, cause I, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's someone who has that experience that can really tell me like, this is what that hero was at the end. That was like comic relief. Mm -hmm. And when you saw him on the TV earlier, yeah. And I, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff are not the deft touches that I'm used to seeing in a DC movie. Normally, you know, it's very like Easter eggy of like, oh, if you knew issue 375 of this show, that mm -hmm. wasn't like that. This was like Easter egg. Like if you are from this culture, you will know that. And uh, I think that felt really, uh, really dope to see. Yeah. And, and I want to talk a little bit about the lead, uh, Cholo Maradueña, mm -hmm. who is someone I wasn't familiar with. Um I think it's actually Sholo of Maraduena. Mm -hmm. um, and he, I think, is super charismatic. Um, and I think really um, kind of surprised me because I think that it's, when it's an actor who, like, I, I looked at his credits and he obviously had done plenty of stuff before. But when it's an actor who's, like, never been the star of a movie being put at the center of a mm -hmm. superhero project, they oftentimes can get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I felt like he really held his own, which is, I think was saying a lot given to that it's not like a situation where, and there is a version of this movie made by a not Hispanic director mm -hmm. where he's an unknown, but every one of his family members is a diff of is a Hispanic <laughs> actor, all from different parts of right. you know Latin America. That right. like like they just they just like pick and choose every famous right. Hispanic person. And, but like, and and I think I was I, I was kind of impressed by the fact that like they didn't stack it with. Right. For famous people in every other role. Where you're like, just like, they, John Leguizamo and Rosie Perez are in this? Wait a minute, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's like, what he's supposed to be make, like, I know for a fact that, that I'm, I'm white and I know that right. that's not a Mexican actor. What's exactly. going on here? Um, yeah, definitely, uh, yeah. you could feel those touches on it um, as well. Um, and also, the, the other thing about this, it was so smart to me because the whole story with the scarab is essentially a story of an alien thing mm -hmm. coming to this world and uh, essentially trying to help eventually, you know, like becoming a mm -hmm. hero. But 
it's a very much a fish out of water story as just as a just as a hero concept not a mm-hmm. to tie that in with um immigration here uh the concerns that people had about immigration like i laugh but i also identify when they were like we're we can't call the cops because the cops yeah. are going to come in and start asking some different type of questions and we got and and it also worked in the story it, it keeps the story insular and the fact that this story doesn't try to do all the like easter egg connections to the other properties mm-hmm. it really could be a standalone story that they do a part two of and and it, it mm-hmm. like i think you can hear bruce ne- wayne's name on the news in the background like one time george lopez's mm-hmm. character calls batman a fascist but there's no like oh amanda waller shows up and this you know so yeah. i i felt like th- that was all it was a it's, a it's just a it's a smart movie it's just a very smart movie with the choices they made so that it could work uh compared to some of the other movies we've seen in the past with dc where it feels like it's all over the place yeah and and speaking of george lopez i was really surprised at how much i enjoyed his performance not that i don't enjoy him as a comic presence Mm -hmm. but i think that he was i expected him to be in like three scenes do a couple jokes and keep but he really is one of the emotional hearts of the movie and like i would love to see him do more of this in other movies like i think that he's uh, clearly a more talented actor than i would have given him credit for and i feel bad about i'm not that i was gonna never say anything bad about him but i'm just like yeah he's a sitcom actor you know right but i think he really does a lot of the emotional heavy lifting especially in the third act yeah and i thought that he was really funny but also like a rounded character he wasn't that, like, there really is no character in the movie that is one-dimensional mm-hmm. except for maybe, like, the villains, which is mm-hmm. whatever that's how movies are. But, like, he was given... A- everyone in the family was allowed to be a full person. Yes, which, I agree again, completely. I feel like, yeah, yeah. And and the other thing about the family, I thought they were going to kind of do this thing where all the superhero films kind of do, where, like, tragedy in the family, then you kind of fridge mm-hmm. the family, and then yeah. they, like, come back at the end. It's like, we're a family again, Remember? But, like, Mm -hmm. this family was so involved in the third act in being heroes, um, getting involved. The grandma, oh, my God. Like, there was just, like, Mm -hmm. these moments where you're just like, oh, like I said, it's a smarter film because I think that separates it from a lot of the other films. Um, And especially the – and then, like, culturally, like, the grandma Mm -hmm. being, like, part of the revolution, you know, with the ponytails Mm -hmm. and the stuff. Um, And then, like, uh, I think – the same way, like, if you watch a lot of, like, Spanish television, um, mm-hmm. the vibe can be, like, really silly and then really serious and really melodramatic. Mm-hmm. Like, th- that happens all the time within the... Uh, and and I, f- I could feel that here in the in the acting choices and the writing. It was, like, sometimes it's, like, over-the-top silly and, and it makes you wonder, like, how are they going to handle a serious third act? Because everyone's been comic relief to this point. And then it's, like third act like i'm honestly i was tearing up at some of the scenes and discussions because i I, they were doing such a great job so yeah Mm -hmm. and i think a thing that the movie does really well which i think is a what i think i find incredibly underrated is that i think really why so much of the silliness works Mm -hmm. in while still letting it be serious is because the silliness is silly to the people in the universe of the movie. Yeah. And a lot of the jokes are funny to the people in the universe. Mm-hmm. And so you, you immediately understand, at least I did, that like, oh, they're able to be silly because they know that this is how you kind of deal with things being serious. You know? Right. That like, 
And at the same time, what you talk about with the family not getting fridged, I really appreciated that because, like, the way the family's set up, there is no way that you could convince me that the third act would just be Bluebeard that would be, uh, you know, uh, Jaime flying off and one forgetting his family and then his family forgetting about him. Like, that just would not, I don't believe that, you know? Um, Both because of what we've seen and just because, you know, cultural expectations. Right. Like, I think that, like, you know, and so... I think that it was really true to it. It wasn't, it didn't like, they didn't let, it's not like DC let the writer and director have their authentic story for the first two acts. And it's like, right. and then of course we need to do the standard white teenager uh, third act. So uh, you can get right here. And but I was no, thinking, like, they I was, I was worried about that too, because in the past they seem to have done that with so many of these movies where yeah. first two acts, in a lot of DC movies, to me, the first two acts are like either good to like at least acceptable. Mm-hmm. And then you get in that third act, and you can just tell, like, I don't know if it's in like industrial lights and magic or whatever, but someone just said, listen, we need a grayscale fight with a big old boss, and it just needs to be like long and a lot of violence. <laughs> and and at night, you know, and um mm-hmm. this and this film felt like not like that. And even in the other films, like say the first Wonder Woman, which I did enjoy, in the third act, well, Steve Trevor's like a fighter pilot. You know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. a reason he's there. His family, it was like they're there because they're his family, because we have established exactly. there's a connection here. Even if they had no expertise, they would show up mm-hmm. and fight on his behalf. But the fact that they mm-hmm. all kind of had some level of expertise was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then, including um, the Brazilian, like, heiress in the family unit at the end. Like, I think that was one of the things that actually made me tear up was when they were yeah. all like, like she was yeah. getting to be family too. And and she yeah. was so good. Cause like earlier in the film, when mm-hmm. she was sad about her, her father being missing and her mom being dead, like yeah. those scenes really resonated with me on more than just a, like, you know, paint by the numbers thing. I Maybe like, mm-hmm. maybe the bar was that low for me because it's DC, but I don't know. They were hitting it out the park to me. Yeah, and I think that, like, it just feels like a movie that was less interfered with, probably because all the people who would have interfered with were overseeing reshoot 75 of The Flash. Um, And so I think that there's just, yeah, there's just a lot of choices that are, you know, that don't seem like what a committee would decide, which is always what you're looking for in these movies. And yeah, I thought that um, the uh, Bruna Mark. I don't want to butcher the name because I know yeah. obviously it's going to be pronounced differently because it's Portuguese, but uh, right. Marquesine mm-hmm. um, is, uh, I think she was really great. Um, and I, you know, I think that both the, the two leads, I think both have, whatever happens with this franchise, I can't imagine that we'll see, you know, Blue Beetle 2 straight up just because right. of this movie not making any money. But I think that they both have a lot of characters. Uh, I, I want to say they were charismatic and they have charisma. And I almost said they have charisma. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that it's just, um, yeah, I think it's really uh, wonderful stuff. Um, I think that the weakest link for me in the movie is mm. probably like all of the stuff with the villain plot is mm-hmm. very uh, paint by numbers to me. And I, I Maybe you disagree with me and I it's fine, but... I was surprised that it didn't feel like Susan Sarandon was having as much villainy fun as I expected mm. when I heard that she was going to be in this movie. Like, I feel like she kind of was, I don't know, not that there's a ton on the page, but right. 
I d- her presence wasn't felt throughout the movie, which is surprising given how great of an actress she is. Yeah, what it was for me with her is uh, I think there was a choice made that um, because of all the charisma of the like Latino characters, the family and all this, they were going to make her like a blank page. Anyone could have played that part because she was such a just blatantly evil blank slate. The one motivation they tried to give her, which was, the misogyny she experienced and being passed over was her motivating factor. Someone else had to like say that for her. Like she doesn't give that speech. Um, Bruna's character gives that speech and then she agrees with it. Like, yes, that is right. And I'm like, no, nah, she should have got to say that. But, um, and also that doesn't seem like a good enough reason to do what she was doing. <laughs> um, no. So like, yeah, I do agree that the villain, she was a weak villain. And then, uh, I, uh, I'm a sucker for like Naruto and uh, certain anime where they do this thing where the good guy and the bad guy are just different because one of them like had a slightly different experience and chose to hold on to hope and the other guy just went down the wrong path. I did like the the big boss fight between um, was was uh. Carpa- uh started with like a C and ends with an X. Um, uh, Car- Car- Carapax. Yeah, Carapax and Blue Beetle. That that was actually dope to me because I thought that character was so terrible the whole movie because he yeah. doesn't talk. He, do- he doesn't have any motivation. And then he just does what this white lady says to do the whole mm-hmm. movie. And I don't really see why but when they do the montage of the flashback to when all the way to him being a kid and a war orphan Mm. and taken by this woman and basically manipulated and brainwashed and stuff i actually thought like that was more that was more depth for that character than susan sarandon's character got the entire movie yeah and i think that that was a strong and they didn't put too fine a point on it they didn't because i think so many other movies would say it but the point being that like all, both of our stories are stories of this rich, powerful white woman basically coming, exploiting us for right. uh, her own gain. And um, I think, like I said, the, the fact that they didn't put too fine a point on it is what made it a good point. Because I think yeah. a lot of a lot of white producers would want to pat themselves on the back yes. and say, "Like, well, you and I are the same. We both mm. were exploited by white people and capitalists." It's like, no. Like, right. you don't need to say that because that's not how people talk. Um, and I think to your point about her motivation not being enough, I agree, especially because it I, – I think part of what doesn't work for me is that we only see her in the present. And so we know that the reason she shouldn't be CEO is because she's a crazy person. Mm-hmm. And so, like – we just have to take their word for it that she wasn't crazy before. Like, I actually almost wish that there was a scene where I almost wish she vocalized that she didn't get it because she was a woman. And then someone was like, no, you didn't get it because you're insane. Now, right. obviously, like, that could undercut a message. But I think right. that actually also, like, a real because the thing ultimately is that most people. But that would work, blame, though, Jake. That would yes, work. Exactly. On the screen. Because, in re- exactly. Because in real life, most people who blame a slight for causing them to be evil. In actually, in the actual real world, they were already pretty evil. Right. There are actually not many good people who become <laughs> bad people because of something like, like right. this is not how people work. And mm. so, like, if there were like, if there was a scene where it's like, no, your father recognized that you wanted to destroy the world with these technologies, and he couldn't let you do that. That I think would be much more powerful than just we have to accept. Not once again, not that it's hard to accept that her father would be a misogynist, right? But like, but we also hear first that 
they worked together all the time yeah. and she was like his number two but then he decided when he died mm-hmm. to and once again not that this can't happen right. but it just is it's it's doing a thing that i think so many movies these days do with villains where it's like instead of giving a detailed backstory let's just take an actual societal issue and use that as the blame for a person being bad and right. it's like, no most people who are under the boot of society don't become bad people i just right. kind of hate that implication that being the victim of misogyny or racism yada right. yada yada will turn you into a bad person no most people aren't right I, yeah i think uh it's it's, it's like if they would have had a flashback where like she, you know he catches her making like these military contracts or something. He's like, yeah. you definitely can't be in charge. And then she attributes mm-hmm. that to misogyny. Then exactly. you have the better makings of a villain. Cause it is a villain. Like you gotta be yeah. careful making a villain like too sympathetic. Cause then it's like, people think they're the hero, but yeah, I would have liked to see that. I, I do think she was kind of like the flattest part and it felt like, and maybe yeah. some of that stuff is on the cutting room floor, but it felt like yeah. the, the note from the, from the whoever was like, just make her as drab and flavorless as possible so that yeah. when we see her absence of flavor, we know bad person. Everyone else on the screen yeah. is having a great time cutting up, giving us three-dimensional <laughs> everything. Um, like she was so blatantly evil from the first scene. There's just nowhere mm-hmm. to take that character. <laughs> yeah. And the thing always, whenever there's like a evil character who's like a successful person in the real world, mm-hmm. I, you always have to sell that there are that she, you have to be able to sell that she could convince a board of like random Wall Street dudes that she's a sane person, and I just didn't believe that for one. Like right. she never played like the the moment where I kind of realized like oh this performance is not working for me right. is when he's in the uh, Cord Company office mm-hmm. and they're like there's the video of her with like the children talking about all the good things Cord is doing yeah. and she's still playing that like a supervillain. I'm like I right. just, no. Yeah, like, I no, agree. like you, come on, almost everyone can like sell that for two seconds. I just don't believe right. that this character is incapable of seeming evil. Even, even <laughs> when she like first shows up and they're digging to get the, um, the, um, uh, what do you call it? The bleed, the scarab. The scarab. And she like, <laughs> she immediately does like the cartoonishly evil, like work twice as hard or whatever. They're like, we're almost there. Well, I think you should be there already. There no more lunches for anyone or whatever. Like, it's just like a school principal. He was, yeah, it was just over the top for that character. Yeah, you. Uh, whenever there's a big super villain with a lot of hench women, henchmen and women working for them, you have to sell that people would be willing to do it. Right. <laughs> and like, I just don't know why anyone, like, you mean to tell me that like, um, I apologize. It's, it's yeah. One of the worst things is that he is credited as Dr. Sanchez. So I can't. Oh, that's so terrible. Name. Yeah. So I, I don't remember. But he, he has keeps messing of, his name up the whole time. But like, do you really mean to tell me that like, there's not an electrical engineer position at Boeing that he could work for instead? Like really? Right. Like this is really the best job he could get? Like once he saw she was torturing people, he didn't go. All right. I, I def, this was not on the uh, job application description. Yeah. Indeed <laughs> did not say this. Indeed right. said I just need to be able to lift 25 pounds. That's right, it. Exactly. Y'all got me out here killing, killing my own people, by the way. Um, yeah. He died such a weirdly like, noble not noble death because it's like so the last second when he's like actually maybe this is bad yeah. i'm like you're gonna die for it just jump on the other yeah. side of the door with Ame. <laughs> yeah and, and it's also like i appreciate you st- i genuinely think it's a nice moment for him to stand up for himself and right. to b- demand to be called by his real name but it's yeah. like 
getting called by your real name was the final straw. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, bro, you late in the exactly. game. I thought you were going to say something about your people or your culture or something. You was like, nah, my name ain't Sanchez. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? You can't die for this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought that we, we mentioned her earlier. I thought that uh, Nana Reyes, played by Academy Award nominee Adriana Barraza, was really, really funny and oh, good. Yeah. And I thought that I actually went after I saw it and I mentioned that it was good. Friend of the show, mm-hmm. Michael Springthorpe, texted me basically saying, like, is the moment when the grandma shoots the gun as cheesy as it looks in the trailer? And my answer mm-hmm. was no, because right. the grandma's a full character and not just old lady. You know what I mean? <laughs> Exactly. Nah, when she let the ponytails down and like the musical cue hit in the background, I was like, I want to know her story. Like, like it wasn't just a simple like, oh, that's cute. Oh, uh, so she's oh, she's going to fight now. It was like she has stories for ages. And I, I, I you know, I know uh, DC doesn't really do a lot of TV, but if they did like some sort of like Nana spinoff where we got like flashbacks to her in the revolution. I'd watch because I now feel like that's a full character um, that we've mm. experienced. And it wasn't just like, you know, a trailer's a trailer. They're not going to be able to show you all that. But yeah. yeah. And, the, and it wasn't just her, the whole family. Like all exactly. of them were great. The father was great. You know, like yeah. All, is yeah. I, they just knocked it out the park writing those characters. Yeah. And I think that the reason why the whole, the running gag with the revolution works so well too, is I think that there is a way it, it, it was about like, if it was just a one-off joke, I think that that would be like, Oh, ha ha. But I think that it kind of is, it's based in such a reality that cuts across all cultures. We're like, by the time you meet your grandparents, they're such different people. They were when they were in like the, you know, younger years of their lives that you really don't know them you only know of part of them. And I think that it's like, it was just, it was funny and it really felt, and, and I, I can judge by the laughs of the same, you know, Hispanic families that were in my theater. That is a, probably a, the specificity of a revolution is probably something that a lot of them related to. Cause they were clapping and laughing at all the yeah. things. Uh, plenty. Um, the bit where she calls them more like Imperial, imperialist scum or whatever. Yes. Is perfect. Um, yeah. Like I'll say, it, even it, when she just pulls the ponytails down and it's that, that's the hairstyle of all the posters from the, like the the people of the the women of the revolution stuff like it was immediately like she had them them ponytails the whole time and we didn't know and then she just lets them down like oh bam and I got the gat and you're like okay grandma was about that you know so I that was cool another thing I wanted to give the movie credit for the color palette of the action scenes yes. and stuff mm-hmm. thank you whoever's been listening yeah. whoever's like DC for me one of the big things I, I d- dislike is they do so much just grayscale rock monster fights and yeah. dark villains that, you know, like I, I need my eyes to pop and on the fights had my eyes popping all over the place. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's the main reason why, like beyond the fact that I don't think he's good at directing a lot of scenes, mm-hmm. why I can never deal with Snyder revisionism Right. Because action, the thing he's supposed to be so good at, he is so colorless in, mm-hmm. in a way that, like, started off as stylized, and then eventually just felt like... And also, I feel like if you know, like, anything about CGI, mm-hmm. you know that CGI, that taking away color and making it dark is a way to hide bad CGI, and yes. so you always are thinking about that when yes. you see a super colorless scene. And it happens to with Marvel, too. I don't want to act like Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just them. Um, and, and beyond the color, but except for like the bit at the end where they were fighting in the sky, which I kind of yeah. was whatever about. You know what was great about this? Almost all the fight scenes took place 
on sets. Yep. Like they're obviously probably green screens around it, but of like course. the fight scenes were in cities and in mm. tunnels and in buildings. They were in places where people could yeah. interact with the environment where it didn't feel like, like I just, I don't need to see, you know how frustrating it is to see all these movies. And now I'm seeing like previews for Ahsoka, which is probably going to mm. be fine. But like we're, already after only like five years of the volume existing, you can just recognize it now where it's like, oh, it's strange that everything except for what they're standing on is slightly out of focus. Right. I wonder if it's from a big screen. <laughs> right, yeah. I, like, it just feels so nice. I'm not a huge, like, uh, I can't tell uh, often good CGI from bad CGI. It's, like, it's just, yeah. I don't know. It's some something in my brain. I just, I, it takes, like, I can tell horrible, but, I, it, but if it's just yeah. like a little off, I'm like, whatever, right? No, but the but, same. Right. Okay. But with this movie, it wasn't just like, um, like it was the colors, but they took time with yeah. the details. Cause like, even when he's fighting and his suit activates in the hall, in the, uh, sewers and it's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of like put hidden people. It looks like a daredevil yeah. hallway fight essentially, mm-hmm. but with superpowers. And then the other thing is as a fan of like young justice and some of the cartoons mm-hmm. where you get to see the character blue beetle, the way that they seamlessly had him switching weapons and like mm-hmm. they really brought you the full power of that armor. Yeah. So they like I it like on, it was only at the end of the film that I started being like, I want to see this guy with the Justice League. Like I want to see him yeah. with other characters because his power set is so good that uh mm-hmm. and it's so and it's so unique in that in this yeah. DC universe. It, Shazam's kind of Superman, you know what I mean? Wonder Woman yeah. is kind of Superman too. Like, uh, here's something completely different. Um, and mm-hmm. and the way that they even had like Cyborg in the uh, DCEU, he Cyborg didn't even use his powers like this way. So no. like so interchangeably and so fast. So uh, I yeah, I, I thought they they really acquitted themselves in an area that sometimes DC can really be lacking in with the uh, action. Yeah, and the thing is, with CGI, like, I can generally tell it, period, just because, honestly, I watch a lot of videos about it. But I'm very forgiving for it, as long as I feel like it is in service of the story they're telling. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not forgiving of it is when it feels like it looks that way because it was easier for them or because they ran out of money or time or because they didn't Mm -hmm. plan it right. And it feels like a lot of the CGI here was just based on the fact that it had a this movie had a much smaller budget than other DC movies. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it was still really expensive. But, like... And you can just tell that they were judicious in what they use their CGI for because they're like, okay, I, I guarantee you on some level they were like, okay, we need to, his all, his hands during these fight scenes need to almost entirely be CGI because mm-hmm. they need to be changing rapidly in a way. And like, it would actually probably just cost more to make two different models of a hand right. and then morph it. Like, that actually probably, okay. just, so it's like, okay, we need to spend money on that. And so therefore we can't have this fight scene take place in front of a fake fire or whatever. It has to take place mm-hmm. in a hallway. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I think that like decisions like that, like the thing I always say about CGI is the difference between good CGI and bad CGI. A lot of the time it is determined before a computer is even fired up. It's when it's mm. what's shot in the day. Cause if you shoot something that is conducive to putting good CGI in it, it will look good. If you shoot something and don't think about what the CGI will look like and then just tell them to fix it later, it'll mm. be bad. And okay. I think that they were very, clear just based on how much money was spent and how good the effects were knowing how far a dollar can go in cgi i just guarantee that they were 
they had a very clear idea of every shot we see CGI in it. I right. bet was completely storyboarded beforehand. There was no, yeah. imp- there were no like, oh, could we make this look like this later? No, it's like this got to look and, like this. And story and- wise, you could tell they were very judicious with the use of special effects and stuff. Because yeah. um, there's like a lot of acting in this movie and comedy in this movie that yeah. isn't based on like superpowers or any of that stuff. A lot mm-hmm. of the discussions, the family scenes and stuff, not they're well filmed and everything, but there's not a yeah. like. Uh, Oh, we'll just make it funny. We'll make his arms fly around in the middle of his conversation yeah. for no reason. It's like everything kind of had a reason. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I I love that about it. Yeah, and, and I think that like I, I think that this is you know a I, I hope that this doesn't ding anyone's career. I I don't think it will because I think that's kind of clear. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think anyone in Hollywood is thinking the reason this movie is not doing well is because the movie's not good. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that like, it's, um, but I would really love to see, um, you know, both stars and the director, uh, and hell Manuel Soto, mm-hmm. um, you know, go on to do big budget. Cause clearly I think this guy has a handle yeah. on how to do a big budget movie and not, and yep. make it personal. I mean, like, which is, I think the, the silver bullet of Hollywood these days until they beat it out of you. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah, well, also else? like, yeah. I think, um, it, like I said, the issues for this movie are going to be things that's not about the movie. So one of the yeah. things that hurts this movie too is that DC did some like what I consider to be um, unscrupulous marketing of the last couple yeah. DC movies where they yes. do the premieres and they have these celebrities come out and then they have these quotes from the celebrities that are so mm-hmm. bombastic and over the top. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that they wouldn't have done that for this movie as much as I think they didn't have a choice because actors aren't promoting stuff now. But like the stuff where like they have a premiere and Tom Cruise is like, this is why movies are made. And you're like, and then you go see it to be like, well, if Tom Cruise, who I love his movies, Mm -hmm. if he loved The Flash, it must be better than I thought it was going to be. And then you watch and you're like, well, this is a lie. Oh, that's right. Tom Cruise is an actor. And I think maybe that's going to hurt this. Like one, I don't know that people were ready to believe that for a third time in a row, but then I don't know that. um, I I think the things that hurt this movie promotion wise, um, you know, general like American kind of like uh, xenophobia, racism, that kind of stuff. Obviously Mm -hmm. like it's the reason like Coco didn't do as good as frozen and stuff like that, where mm. you're just like, what? This story's beautiful. It's like, uh, some people in America are like, eh, that's a brown mm. story. I don't think my kids should see that. So, like, it's going to mm. suffer from all of those reasons, but I just can't separate that from a lot of the suffering is because people can't trust the DC product as a brand. Yeah. And this movie is going to be the one that pays the most at the box office. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest part of it. Like, Because I, I think I, people go back a lot to... Because I'm... I'm generally generally push back on when people make an argument about like that a movie w- won't be successful if it's about a character that's not popular in the comics because as i always point out the percentage of people who read the comics who are going to these movies is much smaller than the people who did and I'll, and like guardians of the galaxy for example is the biggest testament to it not only is the guardians of the galaxy not a popular series of comics beforehand most of the characters in that movie are not the traditional lineup of the guardians mm-hmm. but People, if Marvel was a restaurant, people had eaten at that restaurant a couple times. They liked everything they had. And the chef said, hey, let me give you this special that you've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I'll try that. You can't bring in a new character that no one's really heard of for the most part if 
people don't trust you to get the staples right. If you can't do a burger right, they're not going to trust you to do escargot, you exactly. know? Um, and I also think that, like, and, and I think because of that, Blue Beetle, I think, also just unfortunately sounds like the name of a superhero <laughs> person would make up of, like, oh, yeah. what, they're going to do a fucking Blue Beetle movie? And, that, no, and that's not a problem. Right. If DC's coming off of five straight hits, it's like, hey, I mean, the Blue Beetle sounds a little silly, but exactly. it's, you know, they're going to be good. And I and I think so. I think that all combines, and the fact that even like the diehards don't care that much because there's so much in flux about what does and doesn't matter. I think that that's a lot less important than people think because right. it is with Marvel. It's a pretty small population that actually cares that much about canon, and right. with DC, it's just it's even smaller than that. Zero. Um, but but I think that like it's hard to just because the diehards are not that big of a population. If they're not excited about something, then like. It's it's even harder to get regular people excited for it yeah. because like regular people oftentimes follow the cues of the people who care a lot about something. Also, so, though, at yeah. this point, what is a DC diehard? You know, like one of the things <laughs> that one of the things that Zack Snyder did that I think forever hurt DC uh, and WB in, in ways they don't understand until now. Maybe um, the people that became emblematic of what they would call a fan base are people that kind of hate everything except what Zack Snyder says and yeah that so like they lost the definition of a DC diehard a long time ago I used to That's know true. people who were like I like DC as much as I like Marvel and you know I'm gonna be there for all the movies and then it just kind of morphed into I like Zack Snyder and I want to see his cut mm-hmm. and then and the people that I knew that were into it just kind of were like oh that, I don't want to be with you guys you, yeah. you guys have those yeah. talking points you know <laughs> yeah, because I, I think the thing was that, you know, I make fun of the Zack Snyder movies a lot and the people mm-hmm. who like them, and I will continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think the thing that, the thing that hurt DC, which has hurt many a big company that makes stuff for nerds, I self-identify as one, mm-hmm. is that nerds are very good at manipulating the internet to make it seem like their opinion is more widely held than it is. Yes. And the amount of people who like, cause obviously justice league and Batman vs Superman made a lot less money than the, their equivalent counterparts at Marvel. Right. And so already the fan base of those movies is going to be smaller than usual. The people who liked that movie, most people did not like out of those movies. Right. That's just the fact with, with, you know, the way that they were received. And then the people who did like them, most of them, probably not most of them, but like half them probably don't even think about who directed them. Right. And so the amount of people who are actually diehard Zack Snyder fans is not enough to be the base of any fan. Like it's just, right. it's not. An, and the things that they like are things that are inherently not going to be successful. And the other people who are diehards on the internet, like are not going to want to be associated with them. Exactly. So it's like, I, I, I think that it's, these are all like small, like these problems are not ones that encompass the whole fan base right. in any way. And so I don't think that the DC, I think the whole thing that the, the DC people should just not have acknowledged the existence of this rift to begin with, because it's so right. inside baseball Yeah, that like it basically by making the Snyder cut, which yep. is better than the original justice league because right. you know, it's a coherent movie, but like 
by doing that, it kind of was like an endorsement for a few years of like, no, we agree that these movies that most people don't like were the right way to go. Yeah. And so then you can't really pivot from that because exactly. you just gave an extra $10 million to finish a movie that came out. Exactly. Because like, like, if, if I were to ask, I think even five years ago, what do you mm-hmm. picture in your head when you think of a DC diehard fan versus now? Mm-hmm. It It's not that the... The, the Snyderverse people have grown in number. It's just that they're the ones that got catered to. And so the it's like the company is telling you, this is our fan. And you're and and yeah. other people like, you know, us that I, I assume, you know, you as well. Mm. If a DC movie is good, I want to see it. You know, it's, I, I'm not walking sure. in the theater with a, like a Marvel tattoo on or something. Like, no, I'm just here for entertainment. And I bet you there's a whole lot more people like us who like if they had put out a string of just good DC movies, we'd be like, yeah, I'm. I look forward to the next movie. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, James Gunn has to do a lot of cleaning up, like PR wise yeah. and stuff that he shouldn't have to, but he's gonna have to do that because something like this that is so fun. We're doing a movie review and we're like already saying like, man, I don't know if it's getting a sequel. I hope James Gunn, you know, goes through and makes sure mm-hmm. that this is gonna be a part of his universe going forward. Yeah. Like that's 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 not good when we like the movie to be, you know. Yeah, what I mean? exactly, exactly. And I think that it is like it's one of those things where like um, you want to avoid painting with too broad a brush whenever you talk about any fan base or anything. Right. But then it's also like if you're on the internet, which is like being on a pond full of ducks, <laughs> and there's a thousand ducks around you. At a certain point, it is your responsibility not to quack like a duck if you don't want people to think you're a duck. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I just actually – and so I think that, like, there are a lot of Snyder, Snyder fans who are like, but we're not, like, the crazy ones or whatever. But it's like – but at the same time, like, do you not understand that, like, if I loved a thing and almost mm-hmm. everyone else who loved the thing seemed like antisocial weirdos who once again, genuinely have on mm-hmm. multiple occasions threatened to do mass violence at comic conventions because right. of this. So it's just like that is what – people and it's not just that like i see that most fans don't see that right but tastemakers in the industry see it film reviewers see it and so like the people who kind of tell the who kind of control the culture of movies have a really low opinion of the snyder right they have a low opinion and so like all these different things come together and so when they made the decision to do the snyder cut that was kind of like thankfully i think it actually is won't end up being it but i was afraid like is this gonna be a sea change where now if you want anything to happen in movies you just threaten to like kill an executive right and they'll do it <laughs> but like i was worried about that too it's like because it, it's once again you can say like yeah um you know not everyone who wanted a snyder cut was doing that like no shit but also i personally love the opinion that once someone like threatens to kill someone or something you need to think long and hard before you do that even if it's unrelated to that threat you know what i mean and obviously this is not literally doesn't have anything to do with blue beetle but i think it also is i think that the tone that blue beetle has is closer in tone to a even though this movie itself is not to be successful right you can imagine a franchise of movies with the tone of blue beetle being successful yes whereas I can't see if they put out a movie tomorrow with a tone of the Snyder cut, it will make less money than Batman versus Superman or the justice league. Exactly. Cause those movies are really, like the tone is actually even less like than it used to be. Yeah. And also, um, another thing I wanted to say for the movie is that, um, it's because I think it is this first movie of its kind, as far as the like ethnicity and the, and the culture is trying to carry, it can feel a little tonally. Like it's trying to be for everybody. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 you know, that pressure of like, we got to get every reference, every joke, God, we don't know if we're getting yeah. going to be back here. So like, I, I, mm-hmm. I did feel a little bit of that in the film. Um, and uh, it's it, like, it works for me, but I can see how like, it's not really for kids, but not really for adults, you know, in some mm-hmm. areas, yeah. you know, uh, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I think um, even the other thing that that's weird about this universe you have like the Batman where they're doing a sequel with Robert Pattinson, mm-hmm. but I don't know that that's part of James Gunn's. It's not, universe. it's not, it's, so, it's fully not that, that, that has been confirmed. It's not right. And it should so be. We have movies coming out that are still under kind of the DC, you know, like the DC idea, the uh, content mm-hmm. that aren't going to count to James Gunn's thing, but it's still going to affect the way people, because not everyone follows it that closely. Yeah. It's still going to affect Most the way people, people consume this stuff. They're going to yes. be looking like, why is there another Batman and stuff? And this, and I think exactly when I was talking about things that hurt the movie that aren't anything to do with the movie. Another thing is with it coming out in 2023, so many of these like tropes we've seen time and time again in other films, yeah. um, you know, like, uh, in the best ways, this isn't a negative thing, but in the best ways, it felt sometimes like Shazam felt the first one yeah, with the family. Mm-hmm. And obviously Jaime and the, uh, you know, the uh, bug costume, it kind of feels like P- he gives a very Peter Park, young Peter Parker, the new one, you know, the, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the 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 one who's doing like uh away from homecoming and stuff like that. So yeah. like it get I think it's gonna get dinged by some people as like feeling so unoriginal. But yeah, it's like I I, I hear that, but that's not the film's fault. And most importantly, even yeah. if you're gonna have a trope in your film, get it right. And I thought yeah. like Jaime as a character, his integrity, his moral yeah. line, his his like heart to do good and yeah. empathy that. Yeah. I want to see that in every film that is in the James yeah. Gunn universe now. I mean, it's a thing that I've talked about a lot, which I think has been lacking of late in Marvel as these characters become so big and like the world becomes so complicated that I think you need the thing that makes superheroes interesting to me is that when they're given extraordinary power, they make the choice to help other people with it. And when it feels like now almost every superhero movie is not about saving other people, it's about a bad thing trying to kill our superhero and they need to defend themselves, which is just less interesting to me. That that's not what a hero is. That's just someone who happens to have powers. And while like the main storyline is about him being targeted for this, because obviously it's his origin, but like it's so clear that he is trying to help other people and that he, that that the important thing for him is to use his power for good. And I think that that is like such an an obvious thing. But if you really think about it, of late with Marvel. Like there are more projects than not where the character creates their own issue or right. that, you know what I mean? Like even because, with Spider-Man, with Spider-Man No Way Home, been, like, yeah. Like Marvel's been doing this for 10, 15 years. So now a lot of these characters are super jaded. Uh, and even when you introduce yeah. a new character, it's a character mm-hmm. that has watched the other 15 years of projects, yeah. you know, like, and it's affected their story. Like, you know, uh, as much as I love like Wanda and, and Petro mm-hmm. and all that, Wanda is the is a result of a problem created by yeah. a hero, you know. So so yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Like there's something that the lore has gotten so big, it's almost like you can't have a character like this until you hit that reboot the way that DC's doing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's not just having a character like Jaime. 
I want, I need him to be like a tone setter and to be like, like yeah. this movie, whether they make a sequel or not, I don't care. But the tone is the thing they finally got right now, where, yeah. especially for DC, um, mm -hmm. other than maybe Batman, all their heroes are supposed to have that heart that goes, yes. save the kitten from the tree. The, mm -hmm. You know, do the do the thing that's super impractical. And mm -hmm. I think James Gunn, I mean, uh, James Gunn could do that. He's very whimsical, very smart, very emotionally centered with his work. Mm -hmm. uh, Zack Snyder felt anti that. Like, not just, yeah, I don't want to do it. Yeah. I, I'm against the idea that people do this. It's and, my biggest yeah. problem with Man of Steel is that, yeah. like, Man of Steel, Superman's in, I think that the Zod, you know, character is obviously an understandable character to you. I, I just... Yeah. Full stop. Don't think Zod can be Superman's first villain right. because the, what the, what Man of Steel introduces to us is the idea that Superman never really used his powers for good for the most part right. until he was personally involved, mm -hmm. and like that is antithetical to Super like that. Yeah. And and, that and of course the reason is because Zack Snyder is a jaded fifteen year old who thinks that goodness yes. is something to be mocked. But um, it's that it's that thing where Superman would have always saved that dog. It's just. You yeah. know, that, there's that one scene where I remember at the time, because I used to, uh, I was like a fan of the, like, idea of like, oh, wow, they're going to try to do something dark with Superman. Mm -hmm. I've never seen that before. And I remember at the time, you know, being like, wow, that was a bold choice Zack Snyder just mm -hmm. made. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I get, I don't know what he's going to do with mm -hmm. these other characters, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, later I find out, you know, that's just how he makes all his movies. He's, that's, that yeah. wasn't a, that wasn't like a thought out like oh look at this place we have to take superman where he can grow and become this like by the time we get introduced to like yeah superman we're like oh that's the difference between man and still and superman this guy yeah. needed to learn these lessons to become something else and instead it's no he's just a dick and i think yeah. um that jaime saves the dog you know what i mean like exactly that's the that that was the thing that i think uh like i said it could be a bit I could be doing that thing where I'm, I had such low expectations. I'm giving them extra credit, but Jaime saving the, being the kind of character that saves the dog to me is everything that the DCU needs going forward. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that like, you know, I, I'm probably being a little too glib and not giving Zack Snyder enough credit for some things, but like, I think the different, you, you thought, I think a lot of people thought the Man of Steel was, Oh, this is an interesting origin story. And we'll see him grow. But like I said, like, I really think that Zack Snyder just does not, and it's an understandable thing to believe, yeah. does not believe that powerful people can have goodness in them, really, that power inherently right. takes away goodness, which, once again, that is, in the real world, that's a reasonable thing to believe. Yeah. That is also not a thing I want the director of a Superman movie to believe. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, <laughs> it kind of makes you poor fit yeah. for that. I mean, that's um, why he yeah. had to, that's why we call it the Snyderverse. He had to, we, yeah. like, we don't really, like, we didn't invent the term, like, Donnerverse until the Snyderverse, like, because we, we were just like, exactly. those were Superman movies, you know, we don't go back and look at the original Batman movies and, and, and call them anything but just Batman movies. This, his choices were so dark and jaded that we were like, this is this man's dogma. There's never going to be a hero in this that you like yeah. in these films. And that is asking a lot of a lot of people to spend money yeah. to go watch people they dislike, you know, that many times a year. Also, like the whole like what it, like it. Like, the idea of if Superman was real, you would be terrified of him, even if he did mostly good things, because he could kill all of us. Like, that is a thing that I agree is true. Yeah. However, that is a thing that I think you need to balance out with when you're with the actual Superman, 
if you know him, it it is unambiguous that he's a good guy, right. and it's just that people who are scared. But Zack Snyder can't bring himself to He's like, no, no, no. I need to pretend. Right. Like, he needs to anyway, be like, scary I can... for reasons that we can like. Because uh, look, we've done that. They've done that story with Superman a million times, like uh, Justice yeah. League and all that stuff, where like the person that takes it too far is always like Lex Luthor, but you kind of understand yeah. his point, right? Um, and then there's always like random people that kind of like mistrusting of his power. That makes sense. Even Lois Lane in some versions, but this idea that like, yeah, but also he would give us like a lot of reasons to be scared of him. That's not the character. <laughs> like, like, what are no. you doing? Like, like <laughs> it, 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 it all, it, it's just, it's frustrating. Cause it's like, especially in man of steel, we get so much hit over the head and Kevin Costner dies in a tornado because it needs to be clear that people will fear him. Yes. Clark Kent knows that people will fear him. And then come Batman v Superman. He's like, all right, I've done putting in any effort to make people not afraid of me. Right. <laughs> like- right? Yeah. I didn't even, yeah. Like just completely what a weird development. And then of course you don't even juxtapose him with a lot of hopeful people. Cause then you're supposed to at least give us like a, Oh, he can yeah. learn from being around these people. But it's mm-hmm. like, no, Batman wants to beat him up. Uh, you know, uh, Wonder Woman's just kind of like she's she's fighting with them. Um, and then systemically, as you go through each character, right? Superman, obviously, whole life told, don't fight, right? Don't help mm-hmm. people. Batman mm-hmm. has retired and is only coming back to kill Superman. Um, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, once you do, especially Wonder Woman sequel, spent like 90 years not helping people. Aquaman yeah. just wants to get drunk and go to the ocean. Like, the, the entire like timeline except for I think maybe like Cyborg and Flash mm-hmm. every character that's like the main people in this storyline are like I have superpowers I would like to just like stay home and not be bothered mm-hmm. that's not fun yes. for everyone and, and the last word I'll say on it is that I think a lot of people's pushback would be if there were people in real life with who had superpowers they would not use them for good to help people and I agree with you which is why that is why it's an interesting story. Like, yeah, yeah I agree that that's what would be realistic. But the reason why these mo- the movies are supposed to be, the characters are interesting is the idea that they would. Like, yeah. yeah. I, it's, it's almost like whenever people are like, point out that like, uh, it's a, cra- a crazy coincidence happens in a movie. And it's like, yeah, that's why there's a story of a movie and not just a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Well, it's also the I, thing I agree, too, yes. like, I think now it's just, we've had enough of that. Because maybe you could have made a point that Zack Snyder's verse was interesting you know, when he started it a few years ago as like a zig from all the other DC properties. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, now though, after The Boys and mm. uh, exactly, you know, uh, Invincible and all these different, yeah. like we've had every version of like a superhero property where they're dark and jaded and take a twist and yeah. it's, it's cynical mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I think people just want to believe in, you know, the, a guy that would have superpowers and still go and save some people that weren't, you know, that weren't his family, you know? <laughs> like, like, it's not a lot to ask, I don't think. And I also think that in Blue Beetle, I think is very emblematic of this, that I think people who are, who I would say I have questionable morals, the type of people who ask things like, without religion or laws, what would make you not kill someone? Like those type of people. Often think that the only way to make a character interesting is to make them have moral ambiguity or moral ambivalence right that like superman is interesting because he always decides to do the right thing or he always tries to do good and i think that this is a complete misunderstanding of what makes people interesting because like i think that there are plenty 
in fact, I would say most, most people in this world who actually do mostly good things are incredibly interesting people. And they're not interesting because they sometimes, like, it feels like sometimes when people have a superhero and they want to make them interesting, it's like they have to make it so, okay, every four to five days they wake up and say, I'm going to save some people. And one of every five days is like, what if I didn't save people? Like, that's, right. not, inter- that, that's not how you make them interesting. Right. What you make them interesting is to have them have different motivations of what they do things. And, and the fact that it's hard, like, the thing that I love about Spider-Man, because Spider-Man is one character that never really had this issue, is that right. if you just, if you create a character that has a lot of power, and just wants to do the right thing all the time. That is already impossible, and that is yes. already enough conflict. Well, you yes. don't need to make them a morally. You don't need to make them say, "Hmm, but should I save people?" That right. You don't need to do that. I think also, like, um, like for Jaime, one of the uh, other things I loved about this film, um, yeah. when they start off, that that scarab is programmed to be like a military weapon, you know? And yeah, maybe they'll get exactly. even more into like the origins of it um, mm-hmm. if they ever get the sequel or spinoffs or whatever. But the Scarab's origin supposed to be a military weapon teaching you, like making the person the most efficient, dangerous mm-hmm. version, lethal version of themselves. Mm-hmm. When Jaime refuses to kill, it's the one time where he, like the suit can't even control him because he's like, no. Yeah. And and that's early before he even they've really combined mm-hmm. symbiosis or whatever. And to make the storyline a complete arc, the suit learned from him and stops him from being a, a exactly. killer at the end. And I was I'm telling you, man, this movie was so smart which for is, stuff which, like that. Is it mad? Is that a little corny? Absolutely. Yeah. But I don't know about you. I don't know if you see. I'm yeah. my hat. I got the multi cornball tattooed on my forehead. Yeah. Exactly. Who cares? Nah, man. No, I'm t- stories. The last, the whole like last part of this thing, I I can't, I haven't felt this way in a DC movie ever. Yeah. But I felt yeah. like emotionally rooting for them. Like it wasn't yeah. just the, a, yeah. The last one, Shazam, I think is the best comparison because that yes, was the last one. Yes, I felt. that's the last one. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Because I th- I think that Shazam handled uh, that the emotion of family and this yes. and the other. I forgot very... about that. That's my bad. Yeah, Shazam. No, and no, no. This yeah. One. I, are the ones where yeah, I felt because like other ones, even when it's Batman or Superman, I mostly feel like, well, I want them to win because they're supposed to win because they're the good guy. In this one, I was I was like, I didn't just want him to win. I was like, I don't want him to kill this person. Exactly. You don't you, know you, I mean? don't you don't want you don't want Jaime Reyes, this guy that we have fallen in love with over this movie, to have the moral scarring of killing this guy. We yes. don't want we don't we want better for him. Yes. And I, that is a, I think a mark of a true like, you know, that he is a good person. And I think that, yeah. like, he's comes from good good stock. He has a good family. And, and like, it's a good you, movie. Just, and it's a good character. Yeah. Because similarly, yeah. when I watched Man of Steel, not to keep going back to this, when he kills no. Zod, I went, that makes sense. That's that's That should tell like, you something you about that character. Three minutes beforehand, too. Right. Before all these people got paralyzed because right. these buildings were falling on them. Like, I never felt like it was beyond the character. I was just like, yeah, that, I mean, he's, maybe you don't want to kill him, but, like, you would kill him if you had to. That says a lot yeah. about, the, about that whole and, movie. And also, it doesn't, it, I think it's important, too, that when Superman is refusing to kill Zod, Zod is killing lots of innocent people. Mm-hmm. And so you almost have to be, like, from a moral standpoint, it's actually almost indefensible to not kill yeah, him. Because exactly. it's, Whereas in this situation, the moment where he decides not to kill the guy is a moment of pure anger and revenge. Yes. Which is not, it's, we don't have, it's not like, there's actually, it, it is purely motivated by, you know, spite. Mm-hmm. And it's not about saving people. Um, in that, like, because obviously they don't ever actually put him in this situation, but like, if the if Jaime was given the choice of killing one person or letting that person kill a million people, like, you don't believe, he's, he's not like, 
is right. it's not like Superman's rule feels like an arbitrary thing that he tells himself to make himself feel good at night. Right. Whereas this feels like he actually has morals. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Because there's a, I think it's just there's a, a yeah. moment a little earlier in two where he is trying not to fight the guy, you know, like he yeah. doesn't he, like he doesn't want to kill that dude um, even before he thinks about revenge. And so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a, like I said, it was a much smarter, emotionally heartfelt movie. It was beautiful. And uh, I just, yeah. I, I, I wasn't expecting it. I did. I don't know that they'll repeat it anytime soon. I hope, I hope to be wrong on that. I hope so. But um, you know, it's, uh, this one will definitely live on in, in my like top whatever DC movies uh, for a long time. Absolutely. And any final thoughts? Uh, I kind of just gave your final thoughts, but that's the question you ask when you wrap up a podcast, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I don't have anything extra, I think, after that. Just uh, thanks for Wonderful. having me. And uh, check out my podcast, The Blackout Who Tips. Uh, the Blackout Tips is the podcast. Uh, go to our website, theblackouttips.com. And if you're uh, interested in watching us do a live show, September 9th the, at 3 p.m., we're going to be live at the Night Theater in Charlotte, North Carolina, downtown. And there's also virtual tickets for people to watch it online. And you can go to the Blumenthal Center for the Performing Arts um, and just search the Blackout Tips and uh, buy tickets. Thank you, everyone. And thank you for having me, Jake. Oh, it's our pleasure. Me and Anthony, he was very excited to know that you were coming on in his stead. Absolutely. Uh, and you did your plugs before I even had to ask for plugs. This is how you know he's a pro. <laughs> he's got the he's got the microphone arm and everything. It's just it's professional stuff. You can fo- uh, make sure you follow the show at MC, MC University Pod. Please, if you haven't checked out our Patreon, do so. For just $3, you get all of our bonus episodes, access to our Discord. Um, and at the higher tier, you can get some giveaways. We're having uh, $8 members come on our mailbags, which is a lot of fun. Um, so check that out if you haven't. Worst thing is you spend three dollars and you cancel the next month. You just hurt my feelings a little bit when you do that, but better that than not subscribing at all. Um, this is why Anthony usually does this. Um, and please find us on YouTube, youtubecom pod. Please subscribe, five stars on all apps, and yeah, just keep interacting with the show. We're going to be doing a couple more random things as we wait for Loki. I think later this week, uh, AC will be talking with Cam Hawkins about a little wrestling. So that will be interesting to those of you. Who, uh, who know about that, unlike me, who whenever on our Discord, there's a channel for wrestling. And it's truly, every time I see it pop up as a new message, just hit the mark is red. I'm like, I'm happy <laughs> you have that, guys. Yeah, I'm I, really I didn't grow up as a wrestling guy either. So No, it really, it, it, of almost everything in the world, it really is the thing that if you didn't grow up with it, it's like, it's Greek. It's like, no, I can't. Right. It's like, like it I can appreciate exist. it if I watch it, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like every Monday, I see people going off about something, and I'm like, "That must be wrestling, right?" And I just move exactly. On. Yeah, there's certain like terms <laughs> that I'll see, and I'm like, "I th- I'm assuming that like the new order is a wrestler." Like, right. man, it's like, man, Jimmy is really. I can't stand him these days. I'm like, I'm sure that that's <laughs> yeah. a wrestler. That I'm makes sure. sense to someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's always so funny whenever you see like. Um, uh, yeah, like whenever there was, there was one recently, I don't remember what it was, I'll, I'll think of it once I get off the pod. Mm. There was a name of a wrestler that was like the name of another like random character actor. And I'm like, why the hell are they <laughs> saying like, this has nothing to do with, and it was like back a couple, a couple months ago when you were tweeting about like the Hornets rookie Mark Williams, the first two times I'm like, why the hell is he talking about the British actor comedian who played Arthur Weasley <laughs> in the Harry Potter movies? What that is? Obviously I knew you weren't, but the first right. time I'm like, what, the, what did Mark Williams do? He's putting Mark Williams is at the um, Hornets anyway. game? Wow. 
damn. Like, I also, honestly, good. I didn't know Rod was as deep on character actors as I am. I'm surprised you know who he is. <laughs> right. Uh, and speaking of character actors, by the way, please follow me on Twitter and see my the immaculate grids I'm putting up. They're incredibly hard. I'm just doing them because they're fun for me to do. Yeah, um, if you're I real, see it I, and I'm very sick. impressed. But no. I if you're real, the thing the, the the thing about it is, I, I'm I do think of them off the top of my head, which is just to show how deep my sickness goes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm probably gonna up to at least twenty. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, do all the things I told you mm. to do. More important than that, yeah. tune in later this week as uh, AC talks to Cam about wrestling. For Rod Morrow, for AC in Absentia, I'm Jay Christie. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.